Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries and our must-read daily newsletter. This week on Highways Voices, we talk about real-world, here-and-now driverless solutions. You have companies that are focused on customer service and upon customer delivery as opposed to it being a science project. We're now seeing that the deployments are being placed in places where people actually use them. There's a lot that goes into the public outreach. There's a lot that goes into the outreach to first responders. There's a lot that goes into safety information. And there's a lot that goes into making sure that the routes are actually needed and can be used. An American project with global implications, bringing benefits to transport through autonomous, connected, electric and shared mobility. On this week's Highways Voices. Highways Voices, in association with partner organisations Elkrig, ADEPT, the Transport Technology Forum and ITS UK. So Scott Belcher, Executive Director of ACES Mobility, is our fascinating guest this week on Highways Voices. And we'll hear from him after our regular catch up with Adrian Tater with his pick of the big stories on our website. Balfour Beatty Living Places has doubled the length of its highways maintenance deal with Lincolnshire County Council. The agreement means the UK's biggest contractor by turnover will look after roads in the area until 2032. Balfour was awarded the £217 million deal back in 2019, which began in April 2020 for an initial period of six years. Balfour Beatty Living Places will continue to maintain the region's 9,240 kilometres of carriageways, providing repairs, drainage cleaning, gritting and traffic management where appropriate. Elsewhere, a government advisor has called for roads in cities to be ripped out completely to combat air pollution. Dr Gary Fuller, a member of DEFRA's Air Quality Expert Group, said that cities should instead be turning to green spaces where residents and children can relax and play free from pollution. The Imperial College academic has been an independent reviewer of the research that supported the expansion of London's ultra-low emission zone. His comments come in a talk to Brighton residents about measures to combat the 29,000 to 43,000 people dying early each year in the UK as a result of nitrogen dioxide and particulate pollution. And the University of Surrey has started a research to investigate the use of solar-to-ground heat exchange to prevent freeze-thaw damage to roads. A five-year research project led by Benji Keo, a lecturer in civil engineering and environmental engineering at the University of Surrey, aims to unlock a cost-effective way of using solar-to-ground heat exchange to prevent freeze-thaw damage of road pavements. I did my degree at the University of Surrey, but I don't think I ever contributed to anything as potentially world-changing as that. Anyway, I digress. Let me remind you that it's the email the industry waits for every lunchtime, our Highways News Midday Briefing, and you can get it too, if you don't already, simply by going to highways-news.com slash subscribe. On our site, you'll also find links to our X, formerly Twitter, and LinkedIn feeds, so you'll always be up to date, because we are the only place you need to go for everything you need to know, we are Highways News. Swarco improves quality of life by making the travel experience safer, quicker, more convenient and environmentally sound. 
from software as a service traffic management solutions to parking, VMS, EV charging and road marking too, find out how Swarco can deliver more efficient and safer traffic management. Swarco, the better way every day. For so long now, we've been promised a driverless future, with some people painting a picture of a life where a vehicle will pick you up and take you where you want to go, basically a taxi with no driver, all seamlessly efficiently. Now, that may be a solution of the future, but it's a future still way beyond anything we can put a time to. But that doesn't mean that driverless solutions aren't now beginning to be used around the world. And a new coalition in the US is working to promote the solutions that are here and now, namely in the last mile space. Friend of Highways Voices, the former president and CEO of ITS America, Scott Belcher, is behind the idea, and the work he's doing will have a benefit in the UK, so I chatted to him about what he's up to. The Aces Mobility Coalition stands for Autonomous, Connected, Electric and Shared. That is Aces Mobility Coalition. It was formed in July by a number of forward-thinking public agencies. It is a public sector-led coalition that is focused on advancing shared-use mobility in the public environment. We have four, four primary principles. Those are equity, sustainability, safety, and fourth is workforce development. Now, when I look at these different parts of the acronym, Scott, uh, automated, connected, electric, and shared, they're all kind of at different levels of their development. So shared mobility has been around for a long time. If you're in DC area, you're in New York, uh, to a much, much lesser extent in Los Angeles, you will see shared mobility. And across Europe, it's, you know, we're used to it probably a lot more than uh, than people in the US. Electric mobility is growing, but at a different rate. Connected is probably more here and now than a large number of people think it is because it's often lumped in with automated which is the thing that is still seen as futuristic um how do you find putting those four concepts together into a single mobility solution well i think that's uh, really the important question and, and thank you for asking it so our coalition is laser focused we're focused on one use case and that one use case is first and last mile shared use mobility The challenge that we have in the United States is that regulators want to look at autonomous transportation holistically as if it's all the same. And when you look at first and last mile shared use mobility, you're talking about a very unique use case and a very defined solution. So we're talking about low speed, geofenced, fixed route service. The safety profile of these vehicles is very different. The use case is very different. And so trying to regulate us, this segment of the industry, in the same fashion that you regulate robo-taxis or commercial vehicles just simply doesn't make sense. The challenge with the robo-taxi, with the other organizations that exist around this space, is that they are not public sector-led, so they don't have the same public sector ethos. And second, they're much more well-funded. And so what what happened was the members of the coalition found themselves drowned out 
in conversation as about a, autonomous vehicles. And then they weren't organized. They realized that they needed to organize to make sure that the use case itself was available to them as one solution. It's only one solution. It's not the total solution. And that the regulatory environment was such that companies would be willing to invest in building shared use mobility services, willing to invest in building autonomous vehicle stacks so that they could meet the needs of the public sector. That's how we navigate those four somewhat distinct but somewhat complementary elements. I think it was probably the last ITS World Congress you organized back in 2014 in Detroit that I first rode in an autonomous shuttle. I remember definitely going in 2015 in Bordeaux, but I'm pretty certain on the racetrack in Detroit, I went in a uh, an autonomous shuttle, the technology in terms of transport technology has been around for a long time now. And so it's interesting that the, the issues that are being faced are around business cases and regulation. The technology continues to evolve and improve. You have a new generation of shuttles or of shared use mobility that are being produced or about to be produced that will be automotive grade and that will be manufactured to meet automotive standards so that that enables them to be capitalized over a much longer period. They're intended to last for 15 years in, oper in full-time operation. Because they'll be manufactured as opposed to individually built, the cost will be driven down. And so there's a really an interesting opportunity in the United States anyways uh, for this to come about. Right now in the United States, there are no autonomous shuttle manufacturers. And so you have one operator, Veep, which is operating the remaining Easy Mile Ollie shuttles. They're operating the remaining Navia shuttles. And they're now, now that Navia has come out of bankruptcy, Navia is producing shuttles. And then they're operating a Ford electric van in the interim until the two new companies start to manufacture new uh, vehicles in the United States. I'll come back to that. There is another operator, May Mobility, in the United States. They utilize Toyota vehicles for shared use mobility. So what happened when Easy Mile went bankrupt in the United States, we realized that there needed to be American-made vehicles. We have a very strong, there's strong legislation that requires Build America, Buy America. So 70% of the product needs to have been made in America. So we have two very large German tier one manufacturers, ZF and Benteler that are going to be manufacturing new form factors here in the United States. They've partnered with two very well-known autonomous stack providers, ZF with OXA, formerly known as Oxbotica, and Holon with Mobileye. And both of them are taking orders and their vehicles will be on the road at the end of 2025. 
it's interesting you mentioned oxa because i'm sitting here thinking i'm the host of a very popular podcast in the united kingdom less popular uh in the united states at the moment basically because that content is focused on the united kingdom and i'm sitting here thinking oh hang on a second are we having a conversation about something that's rather irrelevant to the uk but the fact that you've mentioned oxa formerly oxbotica and you've mentioned Mobileye that have a presence here in the UK and are obviously originally an Israeli company. What are the opportunities and what's the interest in ACES Mobility when it comes to outside of the United States? You know, we've seen Omeo, which is Australia, New Zealand, are very interested. They're interested in deploying vehicles in the United States. Navia is a, a French company. They're very interested. They are continuing to produce vehicles. And then there's a, a whole new supply chain that's going to be created to support the development of these products. And I think they're going to create new companies and new jobs. And many of them will be subsidiaries or offshoots of existing European or uh, Asian companies. Koti from Korea is very interested in collaborating so I think there are opportunities, particularly for private companies that are either doing business or intend to do business in this space. We are focused on the United States right now because that's where our issues are. We don't have designs to be an international organization per se. We don't have designs on having a broader remit. We're really going to stay laser focused on what we're doing. But foreign companies that are doing business in the United States are we welcome them. As I started before, this is really about ensuring that there is a regulatory playing field that allows transit and public agencies to purchase and deploy these equi this equipment. And this equipment is really all about safety, sustainability, equity, and workforce development. Scott Belcher, Executive Director of ACES Mobility on this week's Highways Voices, and we'll talk learning from each other around the world after we've heard our partner news. Highways Voices, with the latest news and events from our partner organisations Elkrig, ADEPT, the Transport Technology Forum and ITS UK. The recording of a webinar from Monday by the Transport Technology Forum helping councils apply for a share in the total £70 million traffic signals funding is now online. The webinar, featuring TTF manager Darren Capes of the Department of Transport, answered questions from councils wanting to understand the process. And if you're an authority looking to apply or a consultant or supplier helping them, it's well worth a watch on the TTF website. Last month, the Local Council Roads Innovation Group unveiled the dates for next year's Innovation and Learning Festival on the 1st to 3rd of July and Strictly Highways on the 1st to 3rd of October. It's now announced further details of the sponsorship opportunities, exhibitor spaces and delegate places available ahead of bookings opening in January 2024. Now, if I were you, I'd check the Elkrig website for details because these events are so popular thanks to their fully funded places for local authorities that the commercial opportunities always get snapped up really, really quickly.
News from Adept now, and for most local authorities, home-to-school transport for children with special educational needs and disabilities has become a difficult and very costly statutory service to fulfil. Adept is working with the Association of Directors of Children's Services to seek changes and clarifications from government, but this process will take time, and there was certainly no relief for councils in the autumn statement. To support local authorities, the association has published the Adept Send Transport Transport Toolkit to provide examples of measures introduced by local authorities across the country. The toolkit aims to support councils who are struggling in the face of spiralling costs, a lack of drivers and increasing demand. And last week, the ITS UK team attended events from Glasgow to Brussels with operations manager Rukshan Soysa meeting members at Road Expo Scotland, whilst chief exec Max Sugarman joined the ITS nationals in Belgium to discuss the future aims and strategy of the grouping of 28-plus European ITS organisations. While back in London, they met with Shadow Transport Secretary Louise Hay MP for what they call a very productive meeting, discussing key policy issues such as the automated vehicle bill, HOTA, smart ticketing and road user charging. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. Now back to our interview with Scott Belcher, Executive Director of ACES Mobility. Now, it's quite amusing to me the fact that we, we have a history in our industry of going off and doing different things in different ways and it's the old VHS versus Betamax over and over again and we never seem to learn from it it's quite funny that we can't even seem to get the acronym right because there are other people who will refer to case as in connected autonomous shared and electric and so we've got two different acronyms for the same four things how important is it that actually before we get an explosion in it we i think probably at the tipping point of the next few years before we get far more of these shuttles and probably less of the cruise style autonomous vehicles that have just come off the road for the moment in um in san francisco and certainly we're still a long way from the driverless vehicle that will take you to re- completely replace your human driven car how important is it that we get it right now and we get the standards in place as when it comes to legislation and that we learn from each other all around the world i think it's essential i think that's really why this organization was created if you're a policymaker it's easy to deal with technology more broadly than deal with it specifically the first and last mile the fixed route use case is very complicated, but it's among the simplest of the autonomous vehicle use cases. It's the most mature. We have deployments in the United States that have been in operation for years now. The companies are continuing to build the autonomy stack and refine it. We've seen some really great progress there. The other place we're seeing great progress is in the tele-assist area. We're trying to, to operate vehicles without without a driver or you know maybe with a safety operator and and maybe without and so the goal is to stay in autonomous mode as much as possible and then if you have to have an assist that assist is simply to to get the vehicle back into autonomous mode we don't want to have remote drivers we don't want the drivers to have to take over the vehicle what we're learning will inform 
the robo taxis will inform commercial vehicles and what and ideally what they're learning will inform our continued progress you talk about fixed route are you talking about mixed traffic or are you talking about putting them on 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 specific areas of the highway that are for the first last mile shuttle vehicles all of the above the simplest use case is when you have a designated um, lane, obviously, but there are deployments throughout the United States which are in mixed-use traffic. The Jacksonville Transit Authority is deploying the largest public sector deployment, I assume in the world, but but I'll just say in the United States right now because I'm, I don't, I, you know, I can't, I can't speak. I don't know every deployment in the world. But they're having a three-phase project that will start in mixed-use traffic near their um, stadium. The second phase is they're taking out a monorail that runs through the middle of town that will replace the monorail with shuttles and allow them to connect to the first phase. And then the third phase, which is the most exciting phase in my mind, is the phase in which they take the shuttles into the neighborhoods, which have previously been separated from transit and not had access to transit because of the way we built our highway system in the United States. So we'll be bringing people who don't have access to transportation to transportation so that they can have access to jobs and a better life. You know, that's going to be over 10 miles worth of public shuttles, and there'll be over 100 shuttles deployed at the end of this project. And of course, when you say about their stadium for one weekend a year, their stadiums in London. So they'll have to bring all those uh, (laughs) battles over here for that one. Um, I'm interested in cost. You know, if you you were a local authority listening to this conversation and we look at putting trams in and we look at putting light rail or, or heavy rail solutions or maybe subways or whatever else, what sort of cost difference is it in putting in these shuttles that can fill in the gaps in your public transport network relatively cheaply and easily? Your point is the right one, fill in the gaps. I mean, we don't foresee this replacing uh, fixed route buses, for example, I mean, um, unless there's not the ridership. So there's one example of of a public agency that is deploying the shuttles on bus rapid transit during the time in the day where ridership drops off significantly. And so having a shuttle that can seat 15 to 20 people makes a whole lot more sense. The applications that make sense also in the public transportation space is moving people, again, from neighborhoods where 60-foot buses can't go and where you're moving smaller numbers of people around universities, around sporting events, you know, where you're moving a lot of people. I was an early on skeptic of this technology. And largely, I would say, why would we have this technology? Because I can walk as fast as many of these shuttles go. And it's all about the application. Now that you have companies that are focused on customer service, and upon customer delivery, as opposed to it being a science project. We're now seeing that the deployments are being placed in places where people actually use them. There's a lot that goes into the public outreach. There's a lot that goes into the outreach to first responders. There's a lot that goes into safety information. 
And there's a lot that goes into making sure that the routes are actually needed and can be used. And as a result, you're seeing the adoption now makes sense in certain locations. So uh, another example of a really a really interesting use case has been at the baseball stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, they have a shuttle that takes people from the parking lot to the stadium. And there's a bridge. And during the summer, Atlanta is extremely hot. And so people get on the shuttles, the doors close, it's air conditioned, they can do their email, they can chat. And it's going a little bit faster than they would walk. I mean, it's probably going 15, 16 miles an hour. The new generation of shuttles will go up to 35 miles an hour. Most states have a speed limit that won't allow them to go faster than that. That's pretty significant. And so those use cases are the ones that make the difference. Another really prime example was there was a deployment at Yellowstone National Park, again, from parking to the central they moved over 10,000 people in three months without an incident. And if you've ever been to one of our national parks or one of our sporting arenas, the parking can be a pretty long way away. If you're old, if you're disabled, this is a really nice opportunity. So Scott, finally, how can someone listening to this podcast get involved, either involved in the coalition or involved in learning from the coalition? Sure, they can um, go to the website, which is at acesmobility.org, A-C-E-S, mobility, all one word, .org, or they can always contact me at, at, at scott at acesmobility.org. As always, great to chat. We could go into all sorts of stuff about ticketing and parts of mobility as a service, but that will be for another time. We will catch up again soon, Scott. But for now, thanks ever so much for your time on Highways Voices. It's great to be here. It's great to see you, Paul. Thank you. And we'll keep you up to date on the progress of this on Highways News. Scott Belcher, Executive Director of ACES Mobility, our guest this week on Highways Voices. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. Now, before we go, let's tip our hat to somebody or some people doing amazing things in our industry. It's time for Adrian and Adrian's Accolade. And a trailblazing project aimed at encouraging children to walk, cycle to take public transport to and from school in Harrogate has scooped a prestigious national award. And that's one of the reasons why they're my accolade this week. At the 223 Mode Shift National Travel Awards, the council beat off stiff competition to be named winners of the Educational Engagement Project of the Year. The award recognised two groundbreaking classroom resources developed and delivered by Smarter Travel Team to increase active travel and build confidence to use public transport as students transition from primary to secondary school. Exit County Council will also win us at the awards. And that's why they're worthy winners of my accolade this week. And that'll do it for this week's Highways Voices. Next week, we'll have a look at some of the highlights of the year on the podcast in our last Highways Voices before Christmas. So do join me for some best bits. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 